where we are continuing our series on exploring the teachings of Jesus. And we're looking at a parable in Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 1 here this morning. In 2010, on August the 5th, many of you are aware that there were 33 Chilean miners who were trapped 2,000 feet beneath the earth. Matter of fact, there's a movie that will come out in just two weeks called 33. And it tells the true story of these 33 miners who were trapped underneath the surface of the earth, 2,000 feet into the core of the earth. They were there, and it was discovered that they were still alive, but it seemed almost impossible to get them. The men came to that place where they began to worry, and they began to look at options, and they realized there were none that they could manufacture themselves. And so after a day or so, there was a man named Don Jose Henrique. And Don Jose spoke to the man next to him, and he said, God is our only hope. And as he said that, that man he was talking to said, Men, we all know Don Jose is a Christian man. Many of us are not good men. But Don Jose, he knows God. (laughs) And he said, God is our only way out. And we all know that. And the men began to humble their head and they said, Don Jose, would you pray for us? And they gave him the title pastor. And each day they would gather and they would fall to their knees and they would pray and they would ask God to do the impossible, to do a miracle, to rescue them when it seemed like there was little to no hope. And so they prayed. And many of them confessed that they were not good men, that they had not been the father that they needed to be. Many of them were not with their children. Many of them had not been the husband. Many of them drank much. Many of them had little faith before this time, but they began to pray, and they began to call out to God. And they began to ask the pastor, Don Enrique. He was not a pastor. He was just a man who loved God and served him faithfully. All of a sudden, what seemed funny before What was sometimes the butt of the jokes was now their hope. And as Don Rique showed his faith, many of those men put their faith in Christ. And they came to that place to where they recognized their only hope was God Almighty. The woman in this story that Michael read about earlier was a widow And she's much in the same place. This parable, Jesus starts off. The purpose is given to us right up front. Jesus tells the purpose in the very first verse. He says this, Jesus was encouraging his followers to pray so that they would not lose heart. That's the purpose. Jesus knows what's about to happen. He knows what's going to occur. And he's encouraging his followers through this parable not to lose heart heart. Maybe you're here today and you've lost heart or you're losing heart. Maybe there's been a time in your life where you've lost heart. I I mean, certainly we all lose heart at some point in our lives, don't we? Uh, Maybe you're a Cowboys fan and you're losing heart. I understand that. Maybe in your marriage, 
you're losing heart. Maybe you've got children that you're discouraged with at this point in decisions they're making and you find yourself starting to lose heart. And God is speaking here through this parable. Jesus is speaking specifically saying, don't lose heart. And I want to give you a story. I want to give you an example. I want to give you an understanding of how much I love you and how I desire for you to seek me in prayer. And so he begins and he tells the story of this widow and in that time, in ancient, the ancient culture, if you were given the title of widow, it was usually not just because your husband had died, although that qualifies you, but you were using, give it, usually given that label because there was no one to care for you. Your husband had died, and you didn't have children who could care for you. Maybe you didn't have children, maybe your children had died, whatever the case may be, and you were given that label, widow. It was almost like the label of a street person. It was about as bad as it could get. It meant no one was caring for you, and you had to fend for yourself. You had to beg, borrow, and do whatever you could to make it in life. Each day was a battle, was a struggle. And some believed God must be punishing you because of some sin, and we probably shouldn't interfere. There were certain sects that believed that. This was because of your sin or the sin of someone in your family, and you found yourself in this predicament. God, I should not interfere with God's judgment upon you. And so it was a very lonely, difficult, desperate situation. As a woman, you had no rights, really, in this culture, and now you have no means of significant support. That's the picture. And the Bible tells us in this passage that she has an adversary. There's a villain who's taking advantage of her because no one is there to stand up for her. So what little she possibly has is being taken from her. And so she takes the only course of action that she has because there is no one to defend her. She goes to the local judge. And the Bible tells us that this judge does not respect God nor man. He has no Fear of God literally is what the language is telling us there. He has no respect. He has no concern for God and how God might view this situation or how God might exercise judgment. I mean, he doesn't care. And it says also that he has no fear or respect for man. In other words, he fears no one else. He is in this for himself. He has worked hard to get himself in this position. And now if you can't help me get further up the ladder, if you are not of use for me, I do not care. He's that type of politician. And here is the lowest status of society at that time. A widow who's coming to him and he's ignoring her because she has nothing to offer him. There's nothing that she can do to improve his position, so he cares not. He ignores her, but she continues, and she persists, and again, she recognizes after, after trying to go before him, I have no other place to go. I have no husband. I have no children that are here to support me, Where else can I go? There's no other place for me to go. And so she determines, I will continue and I will persist until he either throws me in prison or he hears my request. And so she does that. 
She continues day after day to come before him. She waits and she probably sees as he's coming to work and she's there and he must see her. And she goes, sir, sir, if I could have just a moment. And probably he continually ignores her. And after he leaves his court, she's there. Sir, please, please. And it continues day after day after day until finally the judge says this. Not because I fear God nor man, but because this widow is persistently bothering me. I will grant her request. I will give her justice. Not because I care, but because I'm tired of it. And so maybe you're sitting here thinking this morning, I get it. I get the secret to prayer. What I'm supposed to do is nag God. If I'll just keep nagging him and begging him and getting on his case, finally he'll get tired and he'll give me what I want. Just like I do my husband or my wife. Just like my kids do. That's the secret. I wondered what it was and I read that and thank you so much I can go home and I will nag God until I get what I want. And it's exact. I'm going to clap and go, give me a break. <laughs> Truth be told, this parable is a parable of irony. It's a parable of contradiction. That's not what it means at all. That's not what Jesus is teaching here. It's not that if you'll just come to me and you'll keep begging and begging. And you'll just annoy me as much as you possibly can. Then I'll get so sick of you, I'll give you what you want. That's not what he's saying at all. You know what he's doing? He's saying this. Hey, that's an unrighteous judge. That is a wicked man. And even he finally will listen. But you have a gracious and loving God. Father, who longs to hear your request, who longs to be in communion with you. And when you come before the throne, he smiles and he's so glad that you're there. He's so glad that you've humbled yourself and that you believe enough to ask. It's the exact opposite. How much more will your Father in heaven hear your prayer and hear your cry? Truth be told, you see the contrast. We see in this passage that there's a stranger that comes before the judge. But God sees us as his children. This woman is unwelcome, but you are invited to come before the throne. The judge is unjust, but our God is a righteous father. She has to present her own case. But Jesus is our advocate, and he presents your case. There's no justice that can be assured, but Jesus assures us of justice. Do you realize that? You may not experience it in fullness here, but ultimate justice is coming for the believer, for all who put our hope and trust in Christ Jesus. This woman, her access was limited. But you have unlimited, unconditional access before the throne of God. And this judge was annoyed by her request. But God delights 
in our requests. Notice the purpose again. And he told them the parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And he said in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city that kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused her, but afterwards he said to her, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not, here's your point right here. We talked about the purpose. Here's the point. Here's the lesson. And will not God give justice to his elect who cried to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Now, that word doesn't mean it happens instantaneously. It's talking about suddenly. It doesn't always happen. Oh, I asked, and he said it's going to come fast. The picture there is when you don't expect it, when you've almost lost hope. It's that picture when it is necessary, when it is needing. Suddenly, when you can't see away, suddenly, there's the picture there. I will give justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, Will he find us faithful here on earth? Here's the truth. Do you recognize that God always answers your prayers? He always answers your prayers. You may say, well, that's not true for me. Well, you may not listen. You may not notice, but he does. It's not always the response you want, if the truth be told. Sometimes our heart is not right, our motives are not right. It's not according to the kingdom of God. We're not seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. We're seeking first our kingdom and our goodness or our needs or our wants or desires. And sometimes God just says no. Sometimes God chooses not to. And so sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes we're a little immature. We're not ready to be used by God. We're not ready to give him the glory. We're not ready spiritually, emotionally. And God says, you need to grow up a little bit. I want you to seek me not just for this, but I want you to seek me completely. I want you to seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and then I want you to let these things be added unto you. So I want you to grow right now. Have you come to that place where you have a time where you're seeking me outside of your request? Where you're still and you meditate and you listen as you seek me through the word of God? Have you come to that place to where you're investing in your spiritual life and your relationship with God Almighty? Are you growing? You see, God's not going to say, you know what, I'll just keep giving you one because it becomes a dysfunctional relationship in that capacity where we only cry out to him when we want something. Maybe he's asking you to grow this morning. Sometimes he says, you know what, be patient. Let's slow down a little bit here. There's some other things that I'm doing and you don't understand my timing, so I want you to just slow down and know that I hear and know that I'm at work, even though you can't see it or understand it. And sometimes he says, okay, let's go. I want you to do all that you can, and then I'm going to do what you can. I love Oswald Chambers. You've heard me say this if you've been coming to this church for a while. 
Oswald Chambers' definition of faith is this, doing everything you honestly and ethically can and trusting God with what you cannot do. That's faith. Sometimes that's what it means to go. Okay, you're going to be a part of the solution. You're going to be a part of this equation as you seek me, as you listen, as you search for me, as you glean godly counsel, as you come together and you pray with the body, as you pray with brothers and sisters in Christ, as you request prayer, and as you listen, as you seek me in the word. There are several lessons we can glean from this parable. One is this. God is interested in your prayers. He's interested in your prayers because he's interested in you. If you've come to that place where you've recognized, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I am not good enough to make it to God. I cannot present myself before God. I'm not going to be good enough to earn my way to him. I recognize I'm a sinner, but I recognize that Jesus Christ, he was perfect. He lived the life that I should have lived, and he died the death that I should have died. And so, Jesus Christ, I give my life to you. I ask for your forgiveness. I confess my sin. Take over. When we do that, we become his child. And let me ask you this. When your child comes to you or your grandchild or your niece or your nephew, and they really have need, and they come, and they come with heart. I'm not just talking about it's Christmas time, you know. I want this, and I want that. I'm talking about they come, they go, Daddy, Mommy, Papa, Mimi, I want to talk to you. Can, you. can you listen to me for a moment? What parent or grandparent or aunt or uncle would go, No, I can't. We are the unrighteous judge, by the way. (laughs) This is the righteous God of the universe. And he longs for us to come in sincerity, in faith, and ask. He's interested in your prayers because he's interested in you. Just like you're interested in your children. God sees He not only sees your plight and sees your situation, he hears and he cares. The God who sees, as some Hebrew uh, linguists uh, define him and and call him from, from the book of Genesis, the God who sees, he sees and he hears and he cares. He does know your situation. He does understand what you're feeling. And he's able. He's able to take, to heal, to help you to endure. Most of all, he's able to redeem. To redeem the pain, to redeem the hurt, to redeem the injustice for his glory. That's the God we serve. That's the miraculous power of God Almighty that all things can work together for, them that, for good for them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. That's a miracle in itself. That he can redeem whatever has happened, whatever is happening, and whatever will occur in the future. As we seek his face and in concert seek him in prayer, he is able to do that which he has promised and committed. And he lovingly invites you to pray to him and to come before his throne. That's the God 
so much greater, so much more than any judge could ever be. Do you see the contrast? That's the picture that he gives us today. It's interesting. Uh, You've heard these stories before. Um, Oprah Winfrey, who is hired to be the anchorman at her, her local station. And after a few months, they come to her and they go, we're sorry, but you're just not a TV material. You're not TV personality. And obviously, she didn't let that stop her. Michael Jordan, cut at age 15, didn't make the cut for his varsity basketball team. Matter of fact, one of the assistants says, you know, you need to work on your shooting and your defense. And so he's cut. So he goes home, closes the door, locks the door, cries himself to sleep, and makes a commitment. I will work the rest of my life every day as hard as I can till I'm the best, and I will never be cut again. My favorite one, Herschel Walker. Some of you remember him. He was uh, one of the greatest running backs to ever play the game out of the University of Georgia. And uh, Herschel Walker was the recruit coming out of high school, the recruit coming out of college. And um, goes on to play professional football. Ends up with the Cowboys uh, and then the Vikings. Many of you know the story. But what you don't know is the first 11 years of Herschel Walker's life, he didn't play any sports. He has a godly mother and father. They don't make a lot, but. They love their children. And Herschel is an overweight stutterer. He's constantly picked on and bullied at school. He doesn't play sports. He likes to read a little bit, but he's, he doesn't like to talk because the kids make fun of him. And he's always getting pushed around and made fun of. And one day, when he was 11 years old, he, uh, a kid was pushing him around, and he asked him to quit, and the kid got on him and just beat him up. He said, Herschel Walker said, he didn't just hit me a few times. He beat me up. And he came home crying to his mother and father. And they said, Herschel, what happened? He goes, they told the story. They beat me up just because I asked him to quit, just because I can't talk well, just because the kid boy kept telling me I'm fat. And he's crying, and he's crying these big crocodile tears. And he goes, what do I do? And so his parents consoled him, prayed for him, and then they told him this. They said, Herschel, here's something we want you to do. If you want to you be able to defend yourself and pray, here's, here's what you can do. Herschel, when you wake up in the morning, do as many push-ups as you can. Do as many sit-ups as you can. Go outside the backyard, and you know that limb that hangs down? Try to, as a matter of fact, Herschel Walker said the first day he went out there, he couldn't even do a pull-up. Do as many pull-ups as you can. And then go run 10 100-yard sprints. Then when you come home from school, we want you to do as many push-ups as you can, as many sit-ups as you can. Go over there and do as many pull-ups as you can, and then try to run three or four miles as fast as you can. If you will do this every day, Herschel, your body will change, your life will change. And we're going to pray for you, and we're going to support you. But if you really want to, this will change who you are. This will change your, your image. And we'll help you with your speech. And so you know what Herschel Walker did? From that day forth, he never missed a day. He got up every morning at 5 a.m. and would do as many push-ups as he could, as many sit-ups as he could. Then he would go out in the backyard and he would try to do pull-ups. And then he would run as fast as he could. And he never missed a day, twice a day. 
By the time he was 14, just three years, 14, he was completely chiseled. He goes in for the physical, and the, and the doctor's asking questions. How did you get that, son? Are you taking anything? What are you doing? No, I just do push-ups, and stuff. the doctor doesn't even believe him. He goes on to be the number one recruit in America. This was an 11-year-old boy who didn't play sports, who was being made fun of, and who just wanted to quit getting beat up. What's the picture here? God, as, as Chambers says, do everything you honestly and ethically can and trust God with the rest. Hirsch Walker decided, I'm going to do everything I can. And he had no idea what he would become. What is God calling you to do this morning? Maybe he's calling you to work out. I don't know. Here's what I do know he's calling you for sure. He's calling you to pray. He's calling you to seek him. And can I tell you this? If you would make a commitment today to say, Lord, I'm going to seek you the beginning of each day and the end of each day. I'm going to designate some time each morning and each evening. And I'm going to begin to seek your heart. And Lord, I'm going to take time to study your word. And Lord, if I need to, t- I-, I will take a class. I, w- I will begin to, I- I'll-, I'll get in partnership. I will become accountable. Lord, I will-, I will do whatever you ask. And I will do it consistently. Then your life spiritually a year from now will be different. You would grow. That- One of those requests, maybe it's time to grow. You would grow. We have some devotionals. If you just want to start, maybe you say, I don't do anything. I don't know anything. We have some devotionals in the back. Just go pick one up. You're, they're free. And you can start right there. It'll take you about two minutes. You may go going, two minutes is, oh, that's not very much. No, it's not much. But if you're doing nothing, I would like for you to start. Okay? Just like Herschel Walker couldn't even do a full pull-up, that's a place to start. That's not where you should be in a year. But it's a good place to start. We have prayer groups. We would love for you to be a part of it. Our women, uh, there's a movement called If, and they're having prayer gatherings, and we would love. You can go see our, our women's minister or somebody in our women's leadership. You can get a line, or if you want to talk to me, I'll put you toward the right person. We'd love for you. We have prayer times. We have a prayer room back here. We would love for you to sign up for a 15-minute slot on Sundays that you would be willing to go and pray on behalf of our church. You have a little yellow card right there this morning. You'll take that yellow card out and fill it and say, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to be a part of a men's prayer group. I'm ready to be accountable. I'm ready to be discipled or mentored. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to, to quit sitting in the chair and start giving back. God is speaking again. And when we go, I don't, God never speaks to me. No, a lot of times he speaks and we go, got anything else? What else, God? That's not really what I was asking for. I don't want to do push-ups. I don't like them. They make me uncomfortable. I don't like sit-ups. I don't like to run, by the way. God, would you get me in shape, please? That's kind of physically ridiculous. And spiritually, it's ridiculous for you to do what you've always done, expecting different results. The widow came and said, I have no other choice. This is my only hope. And so she came day and night before an unrighteous judge. How much more? Will we see the impact of the Spirit of God when we come before our Heavenly Father who welcomes and longs and is waiting with open arms to embrace you? Do you know Him today? If you've never come to that place where you've put your hope and trust in Christ, you've recognized you're a sinner and you need forgiveness, you need His grace, 
then I invite you to do that today. If you are a believer, would you make a commitment to grow, to seek him? We will help you if you'll take that step. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this beautiful story that gives us a vivid picture of your willingness and your love and your heart. Lord, we, we do come seeking you. We do come this morning recognizing our need for you. Lord, if there's one here that does not know you as Savior, Lord, I pray that they would humbly kneel before you and say, God, I recognize you are my only hope. Just as Don Enrique said, Lord, I, I recognize you are my only hope. And Lord, I put my hope and trust in you. Forgive me. Save me. Be my God. 